I'm Al Franken, Senator from Minnesota. The jargon word I hate hearing in hearings is uh, it's another tool in my tool belt. It means nothing, <laughs> and that's why I hate it. Welcome to Game Plan, a show about our lives at work. I'm Rebecca Greenfield, a reporter at Bloomberg, where I cover workplace culture. And I'm Francesca Levy, editor of the Game Plan section of Bloomberg.com. Today we're talking about jargon, the much-hated, empty phrases we're all guilty of using when we talk to our coworkers. Later, we'll talk to Sarah Schaefer, a comedian who has had a variety of jobs, including a five-year stint at a law office, which served as the inspiration for her web series, Day Job. But before we hear from her, a little background on jargon. Yeah, so you did, uh, you've done some research on this, right? And you have actually delved into the history of some of the earliest jargon. Yeah, I went deep on jargon. But before getting to the way back when, let's start with an actual definition from Oxford Dictionaries, which says jargon is special words or expressions that are used by a particular profession or group and are difficult for others to understand. I thought that last caveat was really important. So that's what makes it jargon is that it excludes people who are outside of that industry or a group that uses those words, kind of. Yeah, it's it's meaningless to other people who aren't in that group. Because I think every industry has its own terms, and sometimes you really need those terms. You can't really do your job if you don't have special definitions for some of the things you do. But that's not exactly jargon, right? There's another, like the thing when we talk about jargon that makes us really angry is that it feels like it's words that we don't really need to be using. We just kind of want to. Yeah, it's words that when you think about them, it's like, what does that actually mean? Right. But when you're using them, you you think you sound pretty good. <laughs> so some of the favorites, I think, I think the easiest one to make fun of is definitely synergy. Right. Because it sounds really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and it really doesn't mean much at all. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it means. <laughs> it's. I mean, these words become like so broad that it could have meant something at one time. In somebody's head, but the definition is not widely shared among everybody that uses it. Yeah. If I hear someone say the word synergy, I immediately stop taking them seriously, which is the opposite of what jargon should do. But there there are less kind of nefarious ones, I would say. Circle back. I I just heard that yesterday. Touch base. I don't know. What are some of the ones you hear a lot? I well, circle back and touch base definitely are common. I think the newer a jargon word is, the more you're like really why am I hearing this like one of the ones I hate is learnings oh which is like a word that there's already a word for which is lessons (laughs) and learning sounds stupid it sounds like you're not really grasping the English language that well it sounds kind of like something a preschool teacher might say (laughs) like it's learnings time (laughs) yeah but a lot of people emerge from meetings with key learnings that they want to share with you. And it, the amazing thing is that, like, among a certain set, or at least among the people who are saying these things, they must think it makes them sound really smart. There's a lot of sports metaphors. Like what? Uh, touch base. Oh, yeah, ramp I guess up. that is a, a sports metaphor. Is ramp up a sports metaphor? I think so. Right? Like, rev up? I don't know. <laughs> rev up. 
People say, let's run it up the flagpole and see who salutes. I've never heard the second <laughs> half of that. I've heard run it up the flagpole. Well, everybody knows. Maybe you don't even need to say the second part anymore because it's so self-explanatory, right? Just run it totally. up the flagpole. And then obviously someone will salute after right. it's been run yeah. up. There's a formal salute at every <laughs> meeting where that's mentioned. Yeah. But yeah, so jargon goes back, way back. Um, some of my research says it goes back to the 1600s. And you had like you you had an original definition of jargon, which was pretty fitting. Oh yeah, the word jargon before it was used in the way we use it now came from the French word for birds twittering. What can, do you know the French word? No, I do not speak French. Jargon. <laughs> please don't please don't put that in the show, please. Jargon. Um, but yeah, it started through letter writing. Okay, you know, people back in the days when they were traveling by ship to ship things, they would write letters to their business partners, and people just started using jargon to sound businessy and convey certain things. And then people saw those letters and thought that's what you had to do, and so they continued using that jargon, which I think is how jargon gets perpetuated now. Like, I see an email from a boss saying something, and I don't I just... It makes you feel like you should be using that word or phrase. I think it's a little bit subconscious. It's not like, oh, that's a smart person word, but it just gets downloaded into my brain. Yeah. I love the idea that it's been around for so long, that like the idea of people getting behind this veil of talking in a certain way isn't new at all, and it isn't necessarily about all the extra time we have at work to waste or you know, new technologies or all the, the, the usual suspects that we blame workplace culture things on. Like, the people have always been doing this. Yeah, and I wonder if email has made it slightly more prevalent because it's kind of like letter writing. It is letter writing, so it, you see these words more often, you're using these words more often, and I definitely see jargon a lot in emails. I think the thing about jargon is... As you said earlier, it's kind of a way to exclude people who aren't a part of your group. And what's interesting is that the words we've been talking about, like circle back and touch base, are kind of generic office words. But actually, every industry has its own sub-jargon. Like, there's, mm-hmm. it's almost like there's languages and there's dialects. And I actually prepared a short quiz for you, Becca. Oh, no. I'm Don't very, worry. It's very short. It's, I like winning and well, getting things right. Well... I'm going to give you some very easy words that you should have heard. English words. Nothing crazy. They have definitions. Cool. So I'll just read them off and you can tell me what they mean. Are you going to tell me what industry they come from? I'm just going to give you a word. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a word. And you tell me what you think that word means based on your experience as a human being living in the world. Okay. Got it. Okay. I'm ready. What, Becca... Is a locust. A locust? I mean, an animal, a bug. One of the ten plagues. Good. Good. (laughs) The Passover Seder. Okay. I have, I mean. like that context. Right? That's what a locust is. I think to most people, a locust is a type of bug. But in the nonprofit fundraising world, locusts are charitable donors who only give once every seven years. That is so specific and yet so meaningless. I mean, it has a meaning, so it's not completely meaningless, but... So, you know, a bunch of fundraising folks sitting around over drinks can just laugh and chortle about locusts, and you're going to think that they're talking about a biblical plague. 
Okay, this is a word that you might actually not use that much in normal English language, but you've heard it. Reconstitution. Reconstitution. Obviously, it means to write the Constitution again. (laughs) And it's used by legal scholars. Am I right? I feel like your ambition is getting the better of you a little. I don't really think you should try to game this quiz, Becca, because it's not going to work. What does it mean? Reconstitution. This is a word I actually got from, this is a public education word, and I actually got it from the Virginia Department of Ed, which publishes an entire glossary of terms because education is so thick with jargon. Yeah, you know you're in trouble when you need a glossary. Yeah. And it is for a school rated accreditation denied. It is a process to initiate a range of accountability actions to improve pupil performance and to address deficiencies in curriculum and instruction. May include, but is not limited to, restructuring a school's governance, instructional program, staff, or student population. So that is reconstitution in the Virginia Department of Education. That is a lot of definition. Yeah. For one word. Yeah. I feel like if you're if you're getting reconstituted, it's not a good thing. But I'm not entirely sure. It does sound bad. Yeah. Okay, here's the final one. It's a fun one. What is a cast member? Somebody who is part of an ensemble. Were you ever a cast member? No. Did, you never did any theater in no, school? No, I was not. I was not gifted in that way. I wasn't. I can see you in Pirates of Penzance. I had some theater kid friends. <laughs> That's as close as I got. I was in choir. Ah, uh, okay. You were one of those kids. Yeah, it was fun. I like singing. Well, if you wanted to be a cast member now, it would mean that you were actually a sales employee at the cosmetics chain Sephora. That is what they call their on-the-floor sales staff, cast members. They're not salespeople. They're not rouge hawkers. No. You are a cast member, I think, at Sephora because you are putting on a beautiful show for the world. I guess so. You are acting out the consumer's wildest makeup fantasies. The people at Sephora are very nice. So, yeah. So so maybe maybe that's a great way to end the quiz because... That is a big thumbs up, plus one for Dargan. The fact that they're called cast members makes them love their job so much that they're really nice. We should ask them about that before <laughs> asserting that claim. But yeah, fair enough. Um, now that we know where Jargon comes from and how it plays into office life, I think it's a good time to introduce our guest, Sarah Schaefer, who perfectly chronicled office life in day job. Hey, Fred. Sarah. Sarah the Comedian. <laughs> Tell me a joke. Can you even believe that meeting? You gotta put that in your act. You're a comedian. Tell me one of your jokes. If you're looking for new material, this place is a zoo. Any plans tonight? So, you got any plans this weekend? Yeah, I have a show. <gasps> Ooh, exciting. What are you, uh, what's that, performing at Caroline's? Where, at Caroline's? I love Caroline's. No, it's a three-minute set in a basement underneath an adult DVD shop in Queens. Oh, similar. Sarah's a writer and comedian. She has worked for MTV, Jimmy Fallon, writing questions for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and has a new comedy album out, Chrysalis. She also spent five years calculating damages for securities fraud cases at a law firm, which was the inspiration for that clip you just heard and many other funny ones just like it about the banality of office life. Sarah, thanks so much for coming and talking to us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, So Sarah, what made you decide to turn your 
five years working at a law firm into a web series? Um, well, it happened, um, you know, I made the web series many years later, and I kind of find that to be the case with a lot of my comedy and stuff I write is that it takes a long time to incubate in my head my life experiences, and then they come out many years later. And once I've um, gotten distance and I find I can find the funny in it. But I had been hosting this MTV show where I was like doing jokes about Justin Bieber and like really light, fun stuff. And I wanted to show my sort of darker, deeper, more subtle side. And this web series, I just wanted to show the moments of what it's like to have a day job when you're aspiring to do something creative. And I think for a lot of comedians, their story is like, oh, I couldn't keep a job. You know, I was just such a misfit. I had to do comedy. <laughs> and that wasn't the case for me. I was actually really good at my job. And I kept getting promotions and I was making good money and I had stability. And it was it was a constant battle every day to fight the urge to just settle into my cubicle. The job I had was not creative at all. It was numbers. It was law, legal stuff. Right. I love the idea that you like couldn't help but be good at this job. Well, I'm amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, you know, and that somehow kind of went against your identity as a comedian or, yeah. you know, a creative person. I think you're right. People have take pride in their war stories when they're in a creative field about just slogging through a day job. Mm -hmm. And we've been talking about how people use this episode is specifically about jargon. We've been talking mm -hmm. about how people use it as a way to be more included or yeah. feel more part of a group. And you working in an office and kind of wrestling with what your identity was as a totally competent law firm professional versus a creative person, a comedian, someone who wants to express themselves in a totally different way. How did you find yourself dealing with those questions about belonging did you want to belong to the office did you find yourself kind of slipping into the lingo or the kind of oh, ways yeah. of the office or did you really resist it the jargon there was it was very specific what we did was so niche I think some a lot of it was like email stuff like the jargon and emails always like drove me crazy like when someone would send an email that was passive aggressive and mean scolding or something and then sign it with like best <laughs> yeah I, best I, i've written june screens you know? against best yeah how best, best is the worst <laughs> and you know we need to drill down like Ooh, there were a yeah. lot of like we need to drill That's down a bad one and then we need to have the blue sky view of this you know like all those terms that are just so I felt it came from men mostly like i felt that, well, that interesting men would spout these things a lot because they would it would make them sound like they were really knowledgeable or, you know, on top of whatever we were talking about. But um, it all just drove me crazy, you know, all of it. Is there any upside to jargon? Like, are, were there, are there moments where you're ever thankful for the, having those words at your disposal? Or are they really just extra words we don't need to be using? You know, my work now especially is writing. And it, I've always been a writer and I've always taken great care in wanting to say things, A, clearly, because mm -hmm. that's, you know, as a stand-up comedian, you can say anything as long as you're clear. The point is to make people laugh and the point is to make people feel good. And there's a big debate in comedy right now about language and about what can we say? And, and will the outrage machine come after you if you say the wrong thing that's offensive and right. PC culture and all this stuff? You know, you're trying to be clear and you're trying to get everybody to get on your boat, like whatever it is you're selling at work. Like, is it your 
status? Is it your the project you're trying to get through, or is it the tone, the environment, like all whatever it is you're trying to obtain in your work environment? You have to use your language to get people on board with you. I feel like the perfect jargon for that is um, what is it? Roadshow. When you <laughs> go around the office and you. Or, you know, there's other ways to use it. But the way I would always think of Roadshow was like you go around the office and get everybody on board with your plan, like whatever. Like, here's how I think we should tackle the Jenkins case, right. uh, you know, and then that's your Roadshow. Um, and those jargony things help get there faster because it's the language we all speak. And I think um, people don't like that in particular because they can see through it. Mm-hmm. It seems so fake. Oh, and, a, it's a special art. If yeah. you, you know, you have to be very subtle about it. And a friend of mine who's a linguist said that the reason people find jargon so grating is the same reason we find people who come back from abroad and say words like croissant. Oh my in god! In the French I know. way, grating. It's croissant. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. yeah. I know Francesca pronounces it like croissant. that. Yeah, every <laughs> but every time I buy one, yeah. you're kind of performing <laughs> this this act, and people think it's phony. Well, it's cliche. It's unoriginal. And that's what I I started to say was like in my work, it's very important to me to say things in a way that is both clear and unique. You know, there's always a way I whenever I'm writing something, I can be like, there's a different way we can say this. This is hitting me as hacky or cliche. Right. So for me, it's very important to be original. So I I would get very annoyed with people who are just lazy. Mm -hmm. It felt like laziness. Like, I I think these are words better, you know battle against cliches in journalism. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting because you're talking about how comedians talk to audiences and how you have to think about your word choice and make it as clear and original as possible. How do comedians talk to each other? Like, I'm I'm oh, sure you're so not much sitting jargon. around. Oh, really? It's so annoying. I get very annoyed by it. Can you give us some examples? Yeah. Um, especially, it's especially annoying when you encounter, I have a, a friend of mine who started stand-up recently which comedians joke like oh there's nothing more annoying than a, a new comedian like when i've been doing it for like 14 <laughs> years now and like there's no, it's like you can't help it it's because they start using the jargon and it's like you're not and it's that going back to that inclusive thing it's like you're not quite in with us yet because you've only been doing this for a hot second right and now you're you know going up going up is what you say when you you're going to go up on stage and perform oh. like, Oh, going up tonight. I'm going up tonight. <laughs> like uh, there's another phrase. And this is an inside joke with comedians, which is who books that, which is we joke that it's an annoying thing, but everyone does it, which is you find out, Oh, Oh, I'm going up uh, at the clubhouse tonight or whatever venue you might be doing. Oh, it's a good show. Oh, oh who books that? And it's the other comedian wanting to know who books it so they can get on it too. And so now it's this joke where like comedians will just post a picture of like, like I recently posted a like seal beach in La Hala, California. Uh Like I posted a picture of these seals and all these people looking and I just wrote who books that. (laughs) Because it's like everyone's always asking who books that. How do I get ahead? How do I get on it? And that's so funny because I would have thought comedians just sit around like cutting right through the crap. Well, we use the (laughs) jargon to cut through like, you know, who books that is, is a joke making fun of comedians that do that even though we all know we've done that and you have to do that otherwise you would not get ahead you hear these words and they sound particularly annoying like comedian jargon sounds particularly annoying Mm. coming from rookies 
And yeah. it's that sort of phony sounding thing. Right. Don't but then show it's also, that you're trying hard. Right. Exactly. Make but, it all look effortless. But Make at it the all same time, like you're you need not even those, working. You need to use those words. Which yeah. is maybe a good time for me to say that sometimes I like using jargon. I will admit it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, Becca's, do a, do. Becca's a jargon fan. I'm not a fan, but I, I think it can be useful and easy. And like mm-hmm. if you're in the club, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So maybe I'm being a bit of like a snob. Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about examples of totally useless jargon and maybe slightly more useful jargon. We did actually, we did a jargon quiz earlier that might be fun to do with you. What do you think? Yeah, okay. I'm into it. So this is like, these are just words collected from people in various industries or sources in various industries that are English words that you would recognize. And I just want you to okay. tell me what they mean. Okay. Okay. Revert. I mean, go back to the original version or go backwards. Very succinct. In finance, revert, when used in the phrase revert to you, just means oh. get back to you. Yes. Ew, that's terrible. Isn't that the it's it so doesn't funny. even work. There's something so skin crawling about it. Oh, I just, I can picture the guy saying that. That sounds I don't like, like him. It's, He's it's a guy designed... that made fun of me growing up. <laughs> It's designed to, like, confuse you. Uh, Okay, activation. Oh, jeez. I'm already annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever this is for, I'm I'm annoyed. Activation, putting a plan into action Um, of some kind. Making something. That does sound like what it should be. It's Mm. actually a noun used in the world of museums and curator types uh, that means a semi-educational event oh my god that's bad you you would put on an, an activation. activation are we activating our brains no you have to say oh my god did you see lisa at the activation yeah. last week? She, what was she wearing exactly <laughs> lisa is really intent on being the organizer of this Honestly, activation but i just don't think that she has i think the she's kind she of needs. a bitch <laughs> um, okay and this is the last one thank you for bearing with our quiz uh cast member Oh, man. That's somebody that works at Disney. Probably. Yeah. No, that is actually what they call them, I think, cast members. I feel like that's justifiable since you since you mm. do have well, to do some acting, singing, and dancing. Yeah, when you, clean up, when you clean up a piece of paper the moment it's dropped, <laughs> like... you And you act like you enjoy it. Yeah, that's a performance. Um, it's, it's performative. <laughs> it's also what salespeople who work the floor at Sephora the cosmetics chain no. are referred to oh my as you know what i heard about madewell which i love love madewell's products madewell has a rule if you work there minimum five layers <laughs> i'm not kidding i'm not joking my friend what if it's sort of, hot that's you got to work that out it's got to be two or three tank tops layered you have to have five layers but yeah so basically every single <laughs> industry has its jargon and I was thinking no... earlier, like my family has jargon. That's amazing. Yeah, like, I mean, we have jargon. jargon I think you know? I think jargon is basically dorky people slang, mm-hmm. and I think we should just we should accept it. I can accept it. I think it's if you're using it, like you said, in a phony way, or if you're using it before you're inside the group. It's it's do so at your own peril. I'm with you, Sarah. I think we should all endeavor to be more clear and more direct Mm -hmm. and more precise in everything that we say. And really, it's about cutting out the cliches. So 
if it yeah. sounds familiar and good to you, it might be just because you've heard it a million times before and not because it's actually the best way to express what you're saying. Basically, yeah. just be cool. Just be cool. Just yeah. be you. Be but cool. Be, thank, thank you so be much. Be a jargon for, maker. Um, yeah. Yeah. Make the jargon you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us about jargon. We yeah, really, really, really loved having thank you. Thank you, guys. Okay, Becca, it's time for some soul searching. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So this whole time we've been talking about jargon and why people may or may not like it, why people may or may not use it, but we haven't really looked inward and thought about how much we're part of the problem. Yeah, I think we like to think that we are the most direct, concise people in the workplace. Yeah, we're journalists. journalists. There's no way we'd use any excess words. Right, and you know, we're not those other people who are being phony in the workplace, certainly. we're not phonies. So we put that to the test and gave each other a little assignment. We're calling the jargon audit. Uh, We sent each other the last dozen to 15 emails that we had sent from our own emails. So emails that we originated, not a reply to somebody else. And I think the parameters that we set were you sent the email, basically every email you sent dating back from an arbitrary time point that wasn't too sensitive to disclose. Okay. Yeah. So we sent each other our emails to see how much jargon we do or don't use. So should I start? Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. Great. Bring it. I hope you are. Yeah. Rebecca, (laughs) who loves jargon. Love is such a strong word. The person who tolerates jargon and sees... Is being tolerant so bad? And sees its usefulness in the world. I counted in your 15 or so emails about eight uses of jargon, and I stretched the definition of jargon enough to include would love to... But you do have one major repeated offense, Oh, and that is hop on, as in hop on the phone. You asked at least four sources or people you were emailing to hop on the phone with you, and I just don't know how much acrobatics you're expecting <laughs> from each these people. What is the nicest way to say, I would like to set up a phone call with you, please? There. You just did it. <laughs> you used no jargon. Okay. I'm going to try to be more... But you know what? Clear. People hop on, jump on, jump off, circle back. Yeah, why are we being I mean, so athletic at our desk? It's a really, yeah, it's a really energetic world that we pretend to live in when we're sitting at our desk sending emails. How did I do on the jargon audit? So you had more jargon than I did. You had 14 jargon offenses. Ooh. In that, I included journalism jargon. Okay, like so what? So in some emails, you use the term pubbing. Which, for non-journalists, is kind of shorthand for publishing. Yeah. So you would Pub say time. something like, We're, we'll be pubbing that in the morning. Which is cooler jargon, I think. And I think we think I that because we're cool inside right the club than some of your other jargon. <laughs> so in one of your first emails, you used next steps, which is definitely jargony, I think. <sighs> you said ping me. I did? Yeah, which I think is a pretty big jargon offense. Like, can you ping me? That, ping me. It's just like, a, what is get a ping? At, it's just get at me. Get at just me. get at me in a lighthearted kind of way. You don't have to, you know, it's not that serious. Just ping me. <laughs> the thing that was interesting about your emails was that when they were emails to people within the building, I found that there was actually less jargon. Or that's when the 
the journalism jargon popped up. Right. But when it was emails to people who you're less familiar with, the emails got more formal and then more jargon yeah. started creeping into it. Becca, I feel like we've both learned a lot about ourselves in the last few minutes. Yeah, I think you've learned to accept jargon. <laughs> Apparently, I embraced jargon without even knowing it. And I've learned that I don't use jargon even though I kind of like it. The things we, we learn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Game Plan. If you have key takeaways and would like to circle back, ping us. I'm at RZ Greenfield. And I'm at Francesca Today. Our guest Sarah Schaefer is at Sarah Schaefer One. And I will be sure to read you in on any pertinent action items if you get in touch. See you you next week. Guys, I feel like you're not even listening to us. Yeah, they weren't even listening to us.